Well, 2017's done and dusted. 2018 is breaking upon us. In a couple of weeks, we'll be on the 4th of February, not the 4th week. But what I want to talk about this morning is that last year was a strange year, wasn't it? Who, uh, who enjoyed the, the journey of Donald Trump over the year? Did anybody enjoy that? Only in America. Only in America. Brexit. Yeah? The, the gender debate. The marriage debate. What a year. What a challenging year. And you know, sometimes, this is my experience as a Christian. I've been doing this for 40, 46 years now. And I found sometimes it doesn't work out the way I thought it was going to. Anybody with me on that one? And so I wanted to talk a little bit about why it doesn't work out the way we thought it should go and, uh, and how come what we thought was good has turned bad and what we thought was bad has turned good and all that kind of stuff. So if we can have some uh, overheads up, God, what's going on? Anybody ever said that prayer, prayed that prayer? God, what's going on? Sometimes we find ourselves in the dark of night calling out, God, what's going on? Are you in control? Really? And so today, I'm going to look at that. I want to give you an insight into how we found ourselves in this mess. Okay? Does God have an end game plan? Is it going to work out all right for us? And what should we be doing in the meantime? So over the next 15 minutes, we're going to go through 6,000 years of world history called the Kingdom of God. Okay, and then I want to talk a little bit at the end about what we should do in light of this. So how did it all start? Let's go, go to the next screen. Genesis 1.31, right at the beginning, God had just made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that in them, uh, in them is. Yeah, that's my Anglican days coming back to me. And he just made man as his final act. And he stood back, the Bible says he looked at everything that he made and he said, it's very good. How many of you know it didn't stay that way? If we go to the next screen, we find out that by the time Isaiah's prophesying, he says, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. Timothy goes on, it gets worse. He says, evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And sometimes we wonder, how did it get from everything was very good to darkness covers the earth, and now we've got to deal with evildoers and imposters who are not only deceiving themselves, but they're endeavouring to deceive others, including us. Why has the good gone bad? Okay, next screen. I want to talk about the kingdom of God and, and, and how that pans out over 6,000 years of history. Look at where we are now and where we're going to be. Is that okay? And then think about how we might deal with that. So right at the beginning, God says to, um, to his creation, to man, the Bible says male and he made them in his own image, male and female, he created them. And he said, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to fill the earth and, say it with me, govern it. I want you to reign. 
over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So we see right here at the beginning, God entrusts all of his worldly creation to mankind. So we're saying, God, what are you doing? Are you in control of this thing? And he says, well, yeah, in a macro sense I am, but I want to take you back to the beginning. When I passed you the ball and said, have at it. Adam took the ball, thought it was good. We'll go to the next screen, see what happened. Sorry, I forgot about this verse. So God says the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth... He is given to the sons of men. He's given to the sons of men. He's passed the ball to us. And so we go to the next screen and we find out, the Lord said to the woman, what have you done? We say to God, God, what are you doing? God says to us, what have you done? There's a problem there. Can you see what it is? The serpent deceived me, she said. And that's why I ate. And it goes on that, God got, got onto Adam and talked about, you know, what have you done? <laughs> hey, it wasn't me, wasn't the serpent. It was the woman that you gave me that got me in this mess. Either way, God said, you're out of here and banished them from the garden. Now that was, I am so glad he did that. Is anybody with me on that? Anybody with me that God, uh, glad that God got rid of them out of the garden? Not really? Let me tell you why I'm happy about it. Because after they ate from the tree of life, uh, sorry, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and sin entered the world, God said, hey, let's get these guys out of here before they eat of the tree of life and mankind is stuck with this eternally forever. Yeah? You happy now? You happy that we didn't go and buy ourselves a groundhog day? That this, this thing went on forever and Jesus couldn't come. So I'm glad we got kicked out. So the kingdom was lost. God gave it to man. He passed the ball to Adam. Adam passed the ball to Eve. Eve passed the ball to the devil and said, we'll do what you suggest. And so in the end, and I think this might be on the next screen, but I'm not sure. Okay, no, it's not. This is one of those those ones, Cam, where you've got to throw up the other verse. In the middle. Is that right? Yeah. That's the verse. Great. So in the end, we find that Jesus and the disciples both made the confession that we know the world around us is in control of the evil one. Variously in the Bible, it says, the God of this world, the one who's in charge... Prince of this world, the prince, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has no place in me. So the kingdom, from, from a, a world, in the worldly perspective, now understand, this is not affecting the heavens. This doesn't affect God at all. God is enthroned in the heavens. God sits on his throne. When this happened, he wasn't perturbed. He wasn't dismayed. He, 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 wasn't, he didn't go away and cry and eat ice cream for a day because of his depression. It was in control from his perspective. But from our perspective, it was out of control. It was gone. And so 
the earth was in the kingdom was now under the control of the evil one. And that's why it became known as the kingdom of darkness. And the Bible says that in Romans that sin reigned through death. Now, I just want to throw this out to you and I'll probably come back to it and revisit it in a couple of minutes. Imagine what a world would look like if for 6,000 years sin reigned through death. What would be the cumulative effect of that? What would it be like if generation after generation of culture sin reigned in that culture? What would happen to the, to the thinking of the culture, the understanding, the activity of the culture? Would it not be corrupted? Would it not be perverted? Would it not be twisted? And we can look at this world and, and if we take a historical view and look backwards, we can see times when our culture got really, really bad. Even the culture amongst countries that were theoretically Christian. Because wherever sin reigns, wherever a sin is allowed to dominate, the conditions never get better, they always get worse. And so Paul says sin reigns through death right up to the time of Moses. And you think, great, Moses came. Excellent. Excellent. Now sin doesn't reign through death. No, <laughs> after the time of Moses, basically sin reigned through law. Because up, in time, up until Moses came and brought the law, there was no law to tell you what sin was. It was just there. But when the law came, the law didn't get us out of the sin problem. It just defined the sin problem. It said, this is what sin is. And we went... Great, that wasn't very much help. And Paul actually says that. If you go through Romans 6, that's what Paul's talking about. Romans 5, he says this thing. Romans 6, he starts to talk about how the law didn't help us with the sin problem. It was still there. So the kingdom was still under the control of the evil one. Okay, don't want to spend too much time because we've got to keep moving forward. Okay, so next screen. So then we find the day came. Galatians says that when the time was right, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And we, we know this one as Jesus, the Messiah. The, if you want to, want to give him another title, we could call him the divine invader. He comes like, you know, like the, the typical, uh, what's the word, the archetypical hero riding the white horse, galloping into the kingdom of darkness to change things. And so he says when he comes, the time promised by God has come. At last, he announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So Jesus came to a kingdom that was lost to introduce again the kingdom of God into the midst of what was going on. And he clearly said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm introducing something from outside this world into this world to bring a change. Okay, next, next screen. And so Jesus said to his disciples, So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. This is really interesting. 
God said to the disciples, because they came and said, Jesus, how come you're talking to all these people in parables? Whenever you're talking with us, we understand you. But when you're talking with them, we don't understand you because it's just like stories and strange. And he says to them, you know, to them has not been given the understanding of the kingdom, but I'm giving it to you. God says to his disciples, at this point in time, I'm not giving them kingdom, I'm giving you the kingdom. So the kingdom at this point, the kingdom of God, when Jesus was with his disciples, was not universal, it was particular. It started off with how many? Twelve. By the time the day of Pentecost had come, there was 3,000. Just Not the afternoon of the day of Pentecost, the morning of the day of Pentecost. 120 in the upper room, right? By the end of the day, there was 3,000. A couple of weeks later, there was another 5,000 added. And so it began to grow. Okay, But we still see this same pattern. It was internalized. And so if we go to the next screen, we find that Jesus said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on, uh, sorry, whatever you f- uh, forbid on earth is forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit in the earth will be permitted in heaven. And go a little bit further, another, one more verse. Um, and Jesus is saying, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. So we, we, we see this pattern, the kingdom was lost, then Jesus came and revealed the kingdom, and then by his activity and by his relationship with us, the kingdom is internalised. So we don't see the kingdom. Have you noticed that the kingdom of God is not prevalent in the world? Anybody watched, um, oh, I don't know, uh, the politics on TV, you know, the parliament? You've noticed a lot of kingdom behaviour there in the parliament, have you? The way they're so encouraging to one another across the sides, you know. They sort of say, uh, the, the, the honourable member, and then it goes out the door. And they're killing one another. So, so we understand that the kingdom at this time is not universal. The kingdom is internalized. God says, I'm giving you the kingdom, us the kingdom. And so the Bible says that any one of us that comes to know Jesus and comes to believe in him and comes to love him and repents, the Bible says that the kingdom of God comes into our heart. And so while the reign of God is not universal in the earth right now, Okay, the reign of God is universal in the heavens. This is how I like to explain it. And I'm going to ask Ian to be my microphone stand. Thank you. I like to, I like to have this understanding. I imagine that God is holding the world in the palm of his hand. Right? He's not king of this world right at the moment, because it's still called the kingdom of darkness. But he's basically... Moving it wherever he wants to. You know, it's like, is, is the Satan in control of his kingdom? Well, to a certain degree he is, but when God needs to, when God wants to, when we pray, it seems like God can move it according to his will. Yeah? Yeah? He can move it according to his will. When we say, our Father who art in heaven... Holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in earth as it is in in earth as it is in heaven. It seems like some shift can happen. 
when we start to pray, as I believe we did last week. I, I apologise, we had a family Christmas function and so we weren't here last week. But I understand somebody got prayed for healing last week. So when that thing that comes upon us, because the world is falling apart, yeah? You know, when, when God stood back and said it was good, it was very good, in fact. There, there wasn't sickness. But then generation and generation and generation of corruption enters the earth. And all of a sudden we're dealing with sickness, we're dealing with disease, we're dealing with, with corruption, we're dealing with greed, we're dealing with, you know, pick out all the really nasty words that you tell your kids not to do. And that's what we're dealing with. But when we say, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, because it's internalized, we're plugged in, yeah? We're, we're plugged in. I'm going to come back to that in a, in a little while. We're plugged in. We have the capacity to bring the kingdom to bear in the lives of individuals. What an incredible thing. What an incredible thing. We can find someone that it seems that God is turning his attention to. And we can begin to pray the kingdom of God beginning to work in their life. That's an incredible thing. How many of you are glad that happened? Look, I'm surprised you haven't got all your hands up because I know there was a time in my life when I was not listening to God, yeah? I was not doing what God wanted me to do. In fact, I was far away from him. I was not considered his friend. But somebody prayed for my life and said, Father, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Amen? Anybody, anybody with me on that one? Fantastic. Okay, the kingdom internalized. Okay, going to skip over that bit because I've run out of time. And then finally, the kingdom will reach its finale. The kingdom will be realized. Then the seventh angel said in 11, uh, Revelation 11, 15... Uh, the seventh angel, seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there was loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. Amen. We were in the movies yesterday and I was thinking about this, not because of the movie. The movie was uh, Ferdinand, the bull. And it's got nothing to do with this really. But what happened at the end of the movie was, and you've been to the movie, you know what happens, at the end comes up the words, the end, yeah? The end. And then what happens after that? The credits start to roll. And I was thinking about this, and I'm thinking about this verse, you know. The kingdoms of this world have now become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. The end. And the credits start to roll, and it's not you know, produced by and directed by and all the stars. It's a whole bunch of elders and angels saying, All glory be to God in heaven, him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. That's the credits. And those credits are going to roll forever and ever and ever. And ever again, you got it. Did you read my notes? You didn't, you, did you sneak a look? 
you just guessed. That sounds like me in the exam, that's for sure. Okay. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all the dominions will serve and obey him. Okay. 6,000 years of history just done in a few minutes. Well, probably a little bit longer than I planned. Uh, In the middle of last century, the theologians were coming to grips with this. Because this concept of the kingdom come, but not yet, has been a a trouble to them. And there was a guy named Oskar Kuhlmann, who was a German theologian, strangely in 1950, round about that, he came up with this example, and it's a really unusual example for a German to come up with. And the example was the defeat of of Nazi Germany. And he said, you know, Nazi Germany was defeated in June 1944. And we're all going, all those who did modern history are going, hang on, they told us it finished in 1945. Well, it did. But in June 1944, it was known as, anybody can tell me? D-Day. D-Day, which was the day that the, the Allied troops, the Allies, landed on the beaches in France And the historians say that was the day, pretty much, that the Nazis collapsed. And the Nazis would say that was the day that it was all over for us by the shouting. And sometime later, in around about May, I believe it was, 1945, they declared what became known as VE Day, which was Victory in Europe Day. And that's when they formally surrendered. But in between D-Day... And VE Day, there was a whole bunch of soldiers flown in, landed by parachute at night and started to fight a significant number of very, very difficult battles, including the Battle of the Somme, which they say I think about 100,000 people were killed. So at one point they're saying, it's finished, it's all done. It's over. Hallelujah. And then there's a series of battles where lots of people die and then finally it comes to the fulfilment and it's over. Now, it's not a perfect example, but it's helpful to us because that's really where we find ourselves now. Now, we're going to throw up, um, I think it's the next screen. I hope it's the next screen. It is the next screen. Wonderful. I love that. So, we've got a, a pictorial of this. So, we start with the fall of man, the kingdom's lost. And that's kind of that sin reigns through death, sin reigns through law. Jesus is revealed, the kingdom's revealed. Jesus dies on the cross and he defeats a death blow to, to Satan and to sin and death, yeah? Like, they were finished. My question is, how come we're still fighting the suckers? Because we're in that already but not yet time. We're in the kingdom internalised time, the church age time. There is a day when Jesus is going to come back and everybody's going to see him. And the church, 
also known as, aka, the new Jerusalem, is going to come down from heaven and everybody's going to see her glory, the bride of the Lamb. But that day hasn't happened yet. So we're in this middle section where we've been landed in almost behind enemy lines to outwork the victory of the kingdom. God, we bless you. Holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. That's our modus operandi in this mop-up action. Okay, so that's, what, that's where we are right now. Now, so how do we deal with it? Imagine if one of the soldiers, you know, he's kind of dropped in with his gun and his hat and all the gear, you know, his, what do you call those things? Grenades on his belt. And he starts looking around and he notices that some of those French girls or some of those Dutch girls, wherever he found himself landed, were quite attractive. And, you know, he came across a few German soldiers down the local pub and, you know, they weren't bad fellows. I think I might just give up on this war business. I'm going to marry that girl because she's really good looking. And I'm going to build myself a little house here in France and grow vegetables. Because, you know, this war business, this fighting business, this killing business, it's not what it was cracked up to. It's not what the, um, the recruitment guy said it was going to be. Imagine that. But yet sometimes I find that I'm like that. I don't know about you. I find that I get comfortable in the world the way it is, even a world falling apart. I get comfortable. I get used to it. I get, you know, kind of used to the way it functions and I start to function the way it functions. And uh, John says in, in his letter to us in 1 John 5, he says... Don't become so accustomed to this world. Don't become so used to it, so acquainted with it, so adapted to it that you start to act like it. Because remember, this world is passing away. This world is passing away. You know, we, we sometimes we, we get stressed about what's going on in this world and it's, oh God, people are not doing the right thing. They're really bad. That's what happens in a world that's passing away. That's what's happened in a world that's been corrupted by sin, generation, generation. You know, how many of you have found that it's not easy to walk righteously? Anybody? You know, let's be honest. It's, it takes some effort. You've got to really apply yourself to relationship with Jesus. Because he says that I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you live in me, you can do this. If you don't live in me, that's going to be a little harder. I found that personally. So here's my question. When people who don't know Jesus live as though he never existed, why do we find that grievous? We should expect that's what they do. And then we say, you should be living righteously. Why? We weren't. Yeah? Before Jesus came into our lives, we weren't doing that well, many of us. Some of us maybe grew up in a Christian home and we, uh, we didn't kind of do that sinning stuff, you know, none of them drugs and drinks and girls for us. We just thought we were right. 
Yeah, same problem, different manifestation. So how do we live now in this situation? I've got four things that I want to look at. The first thing I want to say is this. Jesus nailed it when he said in John 16.33, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Sorry. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Tomorrow, you're going to go out into this world. I'm going to give you a day off because it's Sunday, you know, and it's kind of a day of rest. But tomorrow, you're going to go out into the world and you're going to have trouble. Because you're going to be acquainted and, and run into people and systems and cultures and constructs and organisations that have become tainted and perverted by sin and they're not going to deal with you according to kingdom rules. That's what Jesus said to us. But he said, but be happy about it because I've overcome the world. Be happy about it because I've overcome the world. We were praying this morning and this thought came into my mind. It's a kind of an old expression, but I think it works in this thing. I, I was praying and I just said, Jesus, I'm going to hitch my wagon to your star. Anyone heard that expression before? I'm hitching my wagon to a star. What it means is I'm going to, through relationship, I'm going to connect with someone successful that I might be successful. And Jesus said, in this world, in this life, you're going to have trouble Deal with it, but understand this, be happy about it, because I've overcome the world. Jesus, I'm going to hitch my wagon to your star. And this is what I found out when I hitched my wagon to his star. The Bible said that he came to me when I was his enemy. He found me, he loved me, he cleansed me, he redeemed me, and then his father lifted me up from where I was, an object of wrath, and seated me with him in the heavenly places. And all of that was because of no work of my own. That's called hitching your wagon to a star, big time. Because the Bible says he lifted me up. He lifted me out of this. See, it's possible for us to live in this world and not be tainted by it. It's possible for us to live in this world and live victoriously in this world, yeah? By faith and by believing what Jesus said. Okay, four things quickly. If we're going to be successful in this world, what do we do now? Number one, we understand where we are on the kingdom timeline. See, if we think that things should be rosy and sweet and happy and no more darkness, no more crying, no more tears, no more sin, we're in the wrong part of the timeline. That is going to happen. The Bible says that when the kingdom's realised, when Jesus comes back a second time, all of everything that's bad is going to be done away with. That's going to happen. Just not today. So we understand because, see, if we don't understand that, we can get really depressed and disappointed. I thought it was going to go much better. I thought because Jesus came and died that bad things shouldn't happen to good people. I don't understand why that happens. But I will say this. I think it should be, to a degree, an expectation of living in a world that's falling apart. And it's not going to get any better. It's just going to pass away. 
So, understand where we are on the kingdom timeline. Secondly, have a biblical view of God's will and his purpose. And if we can throw that verse up, thanks Cam. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. I probably missed about four. There it is. And this is the plan, okay? You might want to write this down. This is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and earth. So there is going to come a time when the kingdom on earth is going to look like the kingdom in heaven. Totally. We won't need to pray it anymore. We, just, we won't need to wake up and go wonder what it's going to be like today because we're just going to wake up and go, hey, it's good. No more, you know, lambs lying down with lions. All that kind of gear is going to happen in that day. Okay, so we, we have a biblical view of where we're going. Number three. Sorry. That we then have true expectations of the times. We don't get disquieted. When we go out into the workplace and we find that some of our, our, the people that we work with don't live like Christians, we don't lose it because they're not and they can't because they haven't hitched their wagon to that particular star. So they can't. We understand. We, we set our expectations. When we... We stay off Twitter. Has anybody found that Twitter can be really bad? I found that. People, people say some amazing things on social media. We, we be, you know, not every... Newsflash, folks. Not everything that's said on social media is actually true. Just thought I'd tell you that. But if you're constantly filling your mind with that stuff, unfiltered, you know, you're not going, that's not true. You're just sort of taking it in. Then it'll mess with your mind. It'll mess with your mind. And that's why Paul says whatever is good, whatever is acceptable, whatever is wonderful, whatever is beautiful, whatever is of a good report, in, in other words, the things that are up there, not the things that are down there, think on those things. Okay, and number three, number four, sorry, do our job. Do our job. Love God, love each other, go into the world, tell them about Jesus, make disciples. Now, the ones that at that time don't want to become disciples, go into the prayer closet and say, Father, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Let's stand. I, uh, I think most of you or many of you would have known this. I don't think I'm preaching anything, you know, any great new revelation. But sometimes from time to time it's good to have a perspective check on where our head is. And uh, the last thing I wanted to leave you was, I shared it earlier but I want to say it again. If, if you haven't hitched your wagon to Jesus' star, I've only got one recommendation for you that you do it. That's it, that you do it. Because he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And I was at a time in my life when I didn't know what the truth was. 
I didn't know what the way was. I couldn't find the door. And I didn't have life to the full. But then I met Jesus and he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the door. My kingdom will know no end. So I decided that day to hitch my wagon to his star. Father, we thank you that you didn't leave us in the mess that we made ourselves. God, you handed us the ball. You said, reign over it. You said, govern it. (laughs) And Lord, we dropped the ball. There's no other thing to say about that. And Lord, we can't even blame Adam and Eve really because we've had opportunities and we dropped the ball. But God, I'm so grateful that you didn't leave us to our own resources, nor did you leave us to the consequences of our own actions. Jesus Christ, you came when the time was right. You entered the kingdom of darkness and you changed forever the destiny of those that hitch their wagons to your star. Father, I thank you for Jesus. We've been singing about him today. God, forever may we sing. Long may we sing. Day by day, God, let our voices grow stronger and our hearts grow warmer as we think about Jesus and all he's done for us. Jesus Christ, you are the eternal God. You are the one to whom all glory and honour and power and dominion belongs. God, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And I thank you that you've transferred me. You've translated me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom, your own kingdom, the kingdom of light. And I bless you today. Father, I pray as we walk through this world, God, I pray that we would understand where we are. We would understand the conditions of this world. God, that we would pull back from judging people who don't do the things that we we deem to be righteous that even we can't do by our own strength. But Father, I pray that we would be diligent to share the good news about Jesus. God, that we would be diligent to undergird that that good news with with, uh, effective, fervent prayer that avails much. God, that we would be responsible and uh, diligent regarding those that that you bring into our lives, that we might pray for them. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And God, I pray that we would love you more and more, more and more every day. God, that we would grow in love over this next 12 months with one another. God, that we would begin to take on board the things that you've told us about forgiving one another and accepting one another. And and when all things can't be, God, when it just seems like it's impossible that you've asked us to bear with one another. Father, I pray that we would one another, one another this year according to your word. And Father, that your church would grow strong and that many would come to know you. Father, we pray that this coming year would be a year where many are translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of your dear Son. And Father, we say, here we are, Lord. Send us. Here we are, Lord. Just just while you're there, why don't you pray that prayer if, if, if you think that would be appropriate. God, here I am. Send me.
God, I'm hitching. Some of you might be not at that point yet, but you might be ready to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to hitch my wagon to your star. If, if that's you today, just where you are, just say in your heart, Lord Jesus, I want to hitch my wagon to your star. I'm giving up on myself and I'm trusting in you. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we bless you today for all that you've accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Jess.